Hi everyone, my name is Heather Starkey. I'm a senior at Timber Creek High School. My eyes have seen some disturbing things. <laughs> um, sorry, <laughs> I'm just, I wasn't expecting that. Um, okay, well, today I'm gonna be talking to you guys about how sometimes we can build realities in our heads that aren't necessarily um, like congruent with what's real or like what's real in the world. Um, so I wanted to start off with a story about how that happened to me, and I hope all the guys in here don't think I'm a total creep. Um, but I met this guy at a conference. It was actually Fast Break. Um, but he didn't live here. He lived in, like, another state. And, like, he was really cute. And, like, we talked, like, once. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, he's so cute, whatever. But we never talked again. But in my mind, I was like, we totally hit it off. Like, it was awesome. And, like, a couple days after I get home, I get, like, a Facebook request from him. I'm like, yes, he's totally into me. And so, like, I wait a couple days to message him so I don't seem, like, you know, desperate. Um, and he like messages me back and we're like talking back and forth like long messages and I'm getting like really attached and he's talking about like spring break and how like he might come to Florida to visit some of his friends or whatever and I'm just he's like we should hang out when I go and blah, blah, blah. and I'm like yeah like maybe if he comes like we'll get to know each other and like he kind of mentioned like he might maybe come to FSU which is where I'm going to college I'm like what if we, like, started dating when we went to college, like, if he went there, and then, like, I mean, eventually, obviously, get married, and then, like, so I'm just, like, building this whole picture in my head. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't say that to him. This is my head. <laughs> so, guys, just, that's just a peek inside a girl's mind, okay? Um, but... So, like, this is going on, and, like, I'm getting really attached, which is really unhealthy, and I don't recommend any of you girls ever doing this. Because then one day, he doesn't message me back. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, you're just going to walk away from our totally intense, like, internet relationship? Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> and <laughs> and so um, I just kind of realized that, like, you know, the whole little, like, dream world I had built in my head was completely not, like realistic at all like real world like in my head I was like yes this guy keeps messaging me and in his head he's like gosh this girl keeps messaging me and like so that can that's kind of funny but like other times it can be more serious like um I coach Pop Warner team. Um, it's like youth cheerleading. Um, and there's this girl that was on our team. Her name was Kimmy. Leah. And she just had like a really bad attitude. Just one of those girls that was just like always rolling her eyes, didn't really listen very well, um, terrible attitude all the time. Um, and so like as a coaching staff, we kind of wrote her off as just kind of like this mean girl, didn't really take much interest in her life. And um, whenever you like misbehave or whatever, you get a demerit. And um, she had gotten so many that it was, she was like about to get kicked off of our team. And so she, had, she needed like three more. And like she had made a threat to one of the girls, like they dropped a stunt. She was like, if you do that again, I'm gonna beat you up or whatever. Obviously not really gonna like beat her up. But since she's like that girl that's so mean all the time, like we were kind of like, well, like why don't we just kick her off? Like we don't really need her. She's not really doing us any good. And then we had found out that um, earlier that year, she had witnessed her father cheating on her mother. Like, she walked into it and had to tell her mom what had happened. And her 13-year-old heart, having to bear the weight of that terrible situation that should never happen, had really changed her and affected her so much. And that totally influenced our decision on, like, okay, we're not going to give her those demerits. She needs cheerleading. She needs something to be keeping her, you know, 
thinking there's something worth living. And, you know, we had built this, like, reality, this view of her in our mind that wasn't based on anything. Like, we didn't really take interest and, like, explore and see why she was the way she was. So thank God that we found out so that we didn't kick her off and, like, ruin her life even more. Um, And then, so that's, like, you know, a situation. But for me, another time that happened was, this happens to me all the time, um, is, like, my view of my life. Like, one day I just remember coming home from a cheerleading competition or something, and I was just feeling, like, really down on my life. Like, I was just like, you know, I have all these family problems. I have these guy problems. You know, I have financial issues. Just, like, I was just thinking about all the stuff that's going bad in my life and everything that had messed up. And then, like, I turned on the TV, and, like, there was this St. Jude's Research Children Hospital commercial going on, and it was, like, kid after kid who had just terrible, like, obscure cancers that had, like, no hair. One of the kids had, was, like, missing a leg, and, like, you know, they were, like, interviewing their parents and interviewing the kids, and I just, like, was so amazed because none of them were, like, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why is my kid three years old and dying of cancer? You know, like, they were just, like, so overwhelmed with thanks for St. Jude's Hospital because of the hope that it had given them, and I was just, like, oh, my gosh, like, I've been sitting here looking at my life. Like, I have a family who is healthy. We have problems, but they're here. And I have friends, and I, I have so much. I have a bed. I have food. There's, like, I'm looking at this totally the wrong way. Like, my view, my reality that I had made in my head of my life was completely off. Like, I was looking at life like my life was supposed to be perfect, and anything that got in the way of that was, like, a curse, and, like, that shouldn't have happened, and I have the right to be angry at God about that, and I have the right to be depressed about that, but it's really, like, we're born into a crazy, messed up, broken world, and crap happens, but, like, that's it, like, it's broken here, but anything that goes right is a miracle, and it's a blessing, it's, like, completely the opposite, like, my whole view of everything changed, um, and so, obviously, this, um, another situation was where this really, um, my view of God was really changed. Um, up till about six months ago, my walk with God had been really good. Like, I was just, you know, like, yeah, I'm this good Christian girl. Like, God loves me. I love him. Like, this is great, whatever. Um, and then this really nasty sin crept into my life. And like, this is really hard for me to tell you, but I feel it's really important for me to be honest. Um, I really began to struggle and still struggle to this day with lust and having, like, sexual fantasies all the time. And it began to, like, whenever that came in, I was just like, whoa, like, I am messed up. Like, like, and I, I began to, like, hide myself from God because, like, I was like, he's angry at me. Like, he's disappointed. Like, he, he, like, I don't deserve his love. Like, I don't. And I guess before I thought I did. But so I guess it was that I had put this mask on God that wasn't his real face. And I had based my reality of him on just my own assumptions, not on truth. And so as I began to hide myself from him and separate myself from him, I just began to look around at the other people around me and compare myself. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, none of these other people are like me. Like, they're not evil like me. Like, I'm like, below, like I'm so below, and it wasn't even the point where I was like humble, like I felt worthless is what it was, and um, I have a story that changed all that for me from the Bible, and one second, it is called the prodigal son, you might have heard of it, 
Um, and it's in, I don't know if my Bible's going to like dominate this stand. It's in Luke fifteen eleven. I'm just going to read it to you. I think they have it on the screen, right? Maybe? Okay. Um, and this is just a story that Jesus told, and it says, um, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to... Am I doing something? Okay. Um, what was I? Um, what? Um, So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was, com- was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him safe He has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a single young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, said the father, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Um, and that story speaks for itself. But there's a few things that were culture, like culturally, I don't know, kind of bring, make the verse mean more. Like when the younger son goes to the father and is like, I want my inheritance, like, you don't get your inheritance from your parents until they die. So basically, he's going up to his dad and being like, you're dead to me, like, you don't really mean anything. Can I just have my money? Like, I don't want anything to do with you. And so then, you know, he goes and, like, loses it all, gambling, whatever, drinking, I don't know, prostitutes. And then it says, like, when he goes to work with the pigs, like, to us, like, pigs are dirty and they're gross, and that means, like, you know, anyone who's working with them, like, has hit their lowest whatever. But in, like, the Jewish culture, that was, like, it was, like, more than that. It was such a, um, an offensive, like, you don't, you did not do that. It was, I don't even know how to explain to you, but you just didn't do it. Um, and, <laughs> sorry, um, the other part where um, it talks about the father running to the son. If you think about, like, the way that they had to dress then, 
and like the, the father was wearing like these long robes and in order to run to him like he wasn't just like mm, whatever like he had to like pick up his robes and like his legs showing just like running to his son like that was such like a like I don't care what I look like I'm coming for you like I love you kind of thing um, and when he kills the fattened calf that kind of sounds weird too um that's just like if you had like an old bottle of wine that you had been saving for like 20 years for like a really special occasion it's like the same thing it was like my son came home and like you use it like it's very very special um and so I kind of jumped into that but the reason that I shared that with you my story of like my struggle with lust um and this story um, is because there's a lot of things I've learned from it. And one second. One thing. That's supposed to be a straight line. And that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Just imagine it's straight. Um, something I've learned from this is that we are, this line goes like straight. Like it's horizontal. And that everybody is on that line. Like every human. Like. I'm on this line, like, my heart, like, the way God views me. Like, I'm on this line. Mother Teresa's on this line. You all are on this line. Um, homosexuals are on this line. Drug dealers are on this line. Murderers are on the same line as you. Like, we are all the same. Um, and I think that's pretty clear. Like, I'm a leader in student venture. You know, like, I'm one of the directors of the camp. I'm giving you a talk. And I struggle so much with sin. Like, there's no person who doesn't and God sees all of our sin the same and you are no better than anybody else no other person you're not better than them because of what you do morally um and at the same time you're not less than anybody else either um and something else that I learned there's another line on my diagram it is another straight line it is God's line and if you just imagine that this is like infinity amount of space instead of like a little pad of paper space, um, God is so incredibly righteous, just, perfect, holy, like any good word you can think of. And he's so high above us. Our lines never collide. Like we really don't have any right to be, have any relationship with him or anything. Um, and the thing about realizing the reality of how good God is, is that you're never going to be disappointed. I guarantee no matter what your view of him is or how good you think of him, I guarantee his real presence would blow that out of the water, would completely shatter it. Um, and so the next thing on my diagram, to show God's perfectness, he died. This is a cross. <laughs> he sent his son who died on the cross for us, and that cross reaches all the way down to wherever you are and to wherever any other human is. And, like, that is just so amazing. That is, like, ridiculous. And I, I still have trouble, like, believing that, uh, you know, God loves me and really accepts me even though I'm so messed up. But it's true. And it's the same for you. Whether you're perverted like me or you struggle with... I don't know, gossip, you struggle with hating people, you struggle with the most sick, nasty things in the world. God's love reaches you as long as you accept this and believe in this. Um, and if you haven't heard 
of this, Jesus dying for your sins, I really would encourage you to talk to either me, like if you don't feel like you have anyone to talk to, I would love to talk to you, um, Janine, Mark, or any maybe friend that you came with, um, they'd be more than willing to talk to you about this and teach you more about it. Um, that's pretty much all I had. So um, I think the next thing is there's going to be a video about international projects. Yeah.